hundreds of pages, thousands of words, millions of letters. Welcome to the Kanja Book Club. The price of admission? What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Kanja Book Club, a weekly teeny podcast where we intentionally experience Star Wars books together with our incredible community. I am one of your hosts, Timothy Guthrie, and I'm joined this week after a break. Adam Dyson, how you doing, man? Good, mate. Good to good to be back. Sixteen chapters or so. It's gonna be a big one today. That it is. Are you feeling better? I am feeling better. I can talk today, so that's a plus. Uh, that's good. Yeah. Back to normal. Back to just a little tired. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. And Patrick McIntosh is also here. Man, are you doing well? I'm good. I'm back. I'm happy. College football is back. Granted, Adam might lose his voice when he finds out what happens to the Everton game, but that's not here nor hey, there. Hey, no spoilers. <laughs> I didn't say. He could lose it either way. I will get my work lap- I'll get my work laptop out and I'll put it right here and not listen to anything going on. <laughs> I'm just saying, you might lose your voice either way. <laughs> uh, but we're happy to be back and see y'all smiling faces. Yes, it is so good to be back after we missed last week. We do host this show live in Discord every Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and the audio podcast version is released on Tuesdays for incredible patrons. If you have not found us on one of those platforms, head on over to utini.com forward slash Discord to jump into our daily community happenings. And for all of our exclusive content, head over to patreon.com forward slash utini. And it looks like we've got Meg and Brea joining us today. Thank you guys for jumping into the chat. We're going to skip two of the updates. I don't think we really have anything big happening in Discord, and we don't really have... Oh, Adam actually does have something. What's going on? Nearly forgot one thing. It kind of got lost in the shuffle of the last week or so, but I brought on another moderator. can't remember if I talked about this last time. I brought on Emma, our video content creator. So Emma has joined the moderator team along with uh, uh, Jose and uh, Heather. So... Just a public shout out for Em. She does, she's always really active in the Discord server, particularly around her collection and toys and gaming, and just a just a great positive person in the community. So, more great to have her on board. Just throwing in some extra work her way. She's been killing it though with everything that she's been doing, like like doing college at like four different schools, and also doing like killing it yep. at game nights yep. and yeah, uh, the YouTube stuff. Like she's she is Utini at this point, pretty much. Yeah. So she she got given her ban hammer, and she's going to keep the server safe and positive, like it hopefully always is. I think she is worthy to take Corey's job. Yeah. So next step is to be the CEO. Yeah. Right. Yes. I think she's going to have to fight Meg for it. But ooh, that might be a good matchup. The next, I'm the next top CEO. Yeah. This is edition. This is the point in the conversation where I'm going to keep my mouth shut and move on. <laughs> I'm not going to pick a winner there. I don't think we have anything going on Patreon, really, except for that. We are going to release a poll here soon for our November book selection pick. But before we get to that, I want to mention once again that we are starting Dark Disciple next week. So October's book will be Dark Disciple by Christy Golden. Uh, make sure if you have not purchased that yet, um, you want to read it, go to Utini, click the Amazon link in the profile, find that book there, and grab it so we can go ahead and get that started. Um, so next week will be our first, um, I think it's the first 10 chapters we're going to cover for that. And then November, we talked to the community. Y'all gave us some feedback. 
and two books came tied for the most, and they were Heir to the Empire and Kenobi. And here's the thing. I've read Heir to the Empire, and I absolutely love it. And I would totally read that again. And especially because everything in Utini right now happens to be centered around Thrawn. I think that's a worthy a worthy pick. So I'm going to dub that the community pick. Because Kenobi I have not read, and I was going to put it on the list anyways. So the community has decided they would like to read Heir to the Empire. I have decided that I would like to read Kenobi. Patrick, what do you want to read in November? I want to tell everybody the tale of Dark Plagueis the Wise. Heather may actually uh, have to jump in, and uh, if you've been listening to Lightspeed Skipping, there's some questionable reasons why she wants to read Plagueis, but that's a solid pick. And then Adam is going to round us out by completely throwing us off and not doing another Legends book um, in a rare twist of fate. What is your book, sir? I have gone with Last Shot. A little bit of Lando and a little bit of Han. So if everyone can jump on Patreon and vote for my choice being the correct one, then let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) And I have, I have won now both months. I have won the, the two I'm, I'm going to give, I guess Patrick technically, you know, kind of threw in our first revenge of the Sith would be a good one to do, but I'm not going to count that because that wasn't an official voting thing. (laughs) So I'm, I'm two and oh right now, boys. So y'all got some work to do. Does, does this one Uh, count though? Because you've just followed the mob, the mob mentality. You're just going right? with the I'm, you're just going with the people. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. I'm looking at the notes, and my name is next to it, so I'm gonna count it. <laughs> also, I feel like that is jury rigging because when we decided on Revenge of the Sith, y'all all said okay. I want my point. <laughs> <laughs> and as someone with no uh, points, points don't matter. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So we've got Heir to the Empire, Kenobi, Plagueis, and Last Shot. Um, At the end of this show, I'm going to throw up a Patreon poll, so all of our patrons should be able to get a hold of that. It'll run this whole week, um, and we will announce the winner on next week's show, our first show talking about Dark Disciple. We're going to talk about November. So super exciting. So uh, keep an eye out on your emails and your push notifications and everything there. And we'll also throw it up in discord, a reminder that those will be the four that we're going to choose and to vote on those on Patreon. So this is going to be a wildly heavy episode uh, because we did skip last week, but we wanted to stay on schedule and, and we like doing everything, you know, month by month. So This is going to be probably longer than a 30 second summary of the last 15 chapters of Bloodline. Uh, So bear with me and then we'll get into all of the juiciness and the incredible book that this is. So, Timothy, get you a glass of water. Chug it and get a deep breath before you do it. I have it right here. Starbucks water with a nitro lid. Um, We are not sponsored by them, but if they'd like to, feel free to reach out. You can find me on Twitter and Discord at underscore (laughs) TGuthrie. (laughs) <laughs> All right. So remember, this is spoiler heavy territory. If you have not read the book and you plan to do that soon, continue at your own risk because we're going to we're going to blow everything up here. We left off. Ransom meets with Arlie's Hadrassian and the Maxine warriors. Um, after collecting the Imperial Guard helmet that uh, he went to go purchase from her, he is challenged to a force pike duel and proves that he's a lot more than just a pretty face. Leia goes to meet Rin Riven Die on Harloff Minor, uh, where he feels a bit more respectable, and uh, he she gives him back the Jabba tape. 
when they return from their respective trips, Leia and Ransom order takeout and piece the puzzle together. Meanwhile, Lady Carice is instituted as the governor of Biren and discovers a music box that belonged to Leia that includes a message from the late Bail Organa indicating her true family history. Joff and Greer go undercover and book a job that'll get them to Sibensko, uh, which is where they think all the shady stuff's going down. Lady Carice calls Arlie's Hadrassian and discusses the First Order, which was a huge mind-blowing thing to me. Uh, Joff collects names of possible allies should the need arise. Lady Carice shares the music box with Ransom as the vote for First Senator comes up. And completely flabbergasted, he plays it for the world. Centrists are victorious, and populists are absolutely heartbroken. Leia is resolved to follow through the mission um, and gives Ransom a piece of her mind in a lovely little scene. Leia tells the Senate what she knew, how she knew, and when she knew about her birth parents. Now, the Senate grants her a leave of absence, which she uses to go to Sibensko. Greer, we finally figure out what's going on with her. She has blood burn, a condition that eventually leads to massive fevers that will fry your brain. Um, determined, they all go on the mission anyways. Joff heard that uh, Ren Riven Dai is there, and they press on. Sibensko is full of undersea cave systems um, that are doubling as a military compound. Leia runs into Ren Riven and ends up killing him there. And then running out of time, she accidentally runs right into the Amaxian warriors and gets into trouble. Han shows up at the last second to save her, which is really cool. And the compound is completely destroyed. Um, upon return, Ransom votes to allow Leia um, to share the results of her mission with the Senate. Thailand becomes the populist choice for first senator, and though he doesn't want to do anything with it. Leia addresses the Senate and Ransom sides with her and eventually apologizes, though it is a very difficult conversation. Leia still knows that he's strong and urges him to be a better senator. Um, during that apology, um, Lady Carice uh, sets out to ensure that siding with Leia is the death of Ransom's political career. Um, Ty Lin has his first campaign and Arlise Hadrassian shows up and shoots him in the chest and then turns the blaster on herself. Lady Carice uses the murmurings that there had to have been someone on the inside in the Senate working with Arlise and all these people, and she turns the tables on Casterfo. He helped reinstitute the death penalty on Ryosa, and he's definitely regretting that now. Leia is absolutely heartbroken for her friend, her true friend. She's angry, and she sees for the first time how positive emotions can still push people to the dark side. Um, just like Anakin, that first step could be with good intentions. Um, she confronts Lady Carice um, after she realizes that she's the one that uh, had the music box. She strips her of her titles and membership in the Elder Houses. And then she heads to the hangar that she has full of thermal detonators and begins the resistance. I don't really know where to begin. <laughs> Adam, th this was your first time. Patrick, this was your first time reading the book. Um, Adam, let me know your thoughts first. Uh, what did you think of all of this? I thought it was wonderful. I, uh, as soon as I finished, I put five stars to that book on Goodreads. It was just, it was great from the first word to the last word. Claudia Gray can do no wrong. And this is just another example as to why she can do no wrong. And it's also, um, like looking back on it, it's something that you can reread. So many Star Wars books out there, but I think Bloodline is definitely a reread, especially if you haven't seen the sequel trilogy in a little while. Wonderful reading, mm -hmm. yeah. And I and I think my first watch of The Force Awakens post this book and Aftermath Trilogy and all those other things I'm reading, I think it's going to change the movie for me as well. Yeah, that's solid. Patrick, how about you, man? Oh, my God, I love this book. First time picking <laughs> it up, and you can see why it's in that top tier of one of Utini recommendations and even my personal recommendations because, like Adam said, 
Claudia Gray can do no wrong. And I love how she puts like these twists or these left turns in her books in the storyline, just like she did with um, Master and Apprentice. Mm-hmm. And it's just a wonderful ride. It's just, you just got to love it, man. You just got to love it. Yeah. Up until the very last chapter, I mean, up until the last couple of pages, we were still getting kind of getting our heads spun around with different directions and different surprises and plot twists. I mean, that was, that was wild. So let's go all the way back to chapter 17. You know, we may not get super into the weeds with some of this stuff, but I definitely want to hit kind of the highlights that we saw. Chapter 17, we saw um, Ransom meet up with the Amaxine Warriors and Arlie's Hadrassian. Um, he, you know, puts on the, the mask, which was a really creepy scene. You know, she's like, she's like, put this on and, and think about what it's like to be in the presence of the emperor. And, uh, don't you feel the power? And he's like, just trying probably not to throw up because he's thinking of all the horrors that he experienced, you know, at the, the command of the emperor. And then he has this incredible sparring match right with one of the Amaxine warriors and you know we think he's just this pretty face he's just this this rude boy and all of a sudden he gets a a fake force pike and just absolutely goes toe-to-toe with this guy and puts him on his back patrick you know this was a really cool chapter really cool scene how did you find ransom here this is to me at the part where i started to like him more when he you know, he, there's more that meets the man than some posh senator, someone who's just a imperial file. And it's someone like you really start to see him impressing on Leia and some seeing her start to trust him a bit more. And I'm not going to lie. I was actually very impressed when I found out he won that fight. I was thinking he was going to get the lights beat out of him. But, oh, he can. When he goes back and accounts for his um his lessons, I can't remember what kind of martial arts he studied? Can anyone, any of y'all remember? I can't think of it off the top of my head, no. Yeah, but he was very proficient. It was like, okay. So he, in, in that way, he kind of reminded me of Leia a bit more. Adam, how about you? I know that you were looking forward to, to Ransom's character growth and to see kind of where he went. What was your vibe of him through this chapter? Just uh, very self-confident. You're right. He had to kind of hold it together when... She was just going on and on about the Empire and everything that's just so good about it. So it was just really good to see that yeah, he does collect this gear, but he collects it for a completely different reason and that he doesn't fall within that category of the Empire is amazing. Everyone look at the Empire. So I did. This is just another chapter to add to the whole I'm following this character throughout this book. And I think it's just a great creation by Claudia Gray from chapter one to the end and his ultimate fall from grace. Yeah, I thought it was cool. You know, we got to see he and uh, and Greer, you know, together in a, you know, they didn't want to be together necessarily. Um, And I thought it was it was really neat to see how they both kind of held themselves apart, having to work individually, but also together and the trust, the brutal trust they had to have to also be able to piece together. Oh, yeah, there's all of this. You know, they've got 50 starfighters and a thousand warriors in this in this place, in this base. And it, it definitely leads to that that bigger picture. I thought that was a cool little thing to find there. Chapter 18, we move on to where Leia goes to meet Rinriven Dai. You know, he wants to feel a little bit more full of himself. So he goes to Harloff Minor and um, she takes him to dinner in this you know really intimate and sophisticated spot. 
And it was, it was really cool to see their dialogue there because she's talking about how, you know, the bombing happened and, and he thinks it was uh, kind of stupid and like a waste of time. Um, he's very frustrated with it all. And he's more tries to be more of a patient person. He kind of explains his whole background there. Leia ends up giving him the job of tape. You know, she's like, I, I don't need this reminder. I have my own memory of how satisfying it was. And he's like, you know, I, I definitely envy you for that. Hutzlayer. You know, we have that little dinner talk. And he has these like rehearsed answers. So it's like he likes to think he's the big boss, but he's very clearly not. Adam, did you catch anything, you know, through that conversation with them that you want to touch on at all? Uh, nothing, nothing really jumped out at me apart from the fact, like you said, that, you know, he is just a puppet and he tries not to be. And like he clearly has time to go on these little planetary visits and these little dinners and you would think running a crime empire might might involve a little bit more hands-on so clearly he has all the time in the world and his answers were very rehearsed and layer is very perceptive probably at you know at there's times like this i kind of thought that maybe layer was leading into the force as well because she just always seemed to have the answers throughout the story so definitely seeing her grow in, into her force abilities i think as well yeah, there's definitely, you know, it's like she knew the whole time that he wasn't the leader of this whole thing. Yeah, she just you knew. Know, he's just, but it was a, a fun little little bait, you know. If I can, if I can tag him, if I can put a tracker on him, which she does in the tape we learn later, like that was a good move on her part. Chapter 19, Leia and Ransom get takeout and discuss what you know they've learned from their respective trips. They kind of come to the the conclusion that the Amaxians just did what they did to cause confusion. Patrick, you know, we have this really cool kind of i don't know this chapter had had quite a bit in it um right like the that happens you know they have the conversation they start to debrief and you know there's centrists are probably controlling some of this there's money laundering happening there leia's trying to figure out how to work with ransom um you have lady carice who goes and she's like finally on beer and she discovers the box i mean there's there's a whole lot there patrick what did you think you know of this whole little section this was the part where I I was annoyed by Lady Carice up until this point. But when she pulls out the music box, I, like you know, that was one of those things that Claudia Gray does a great job of alluding to. Like, you know what's going to happen when she finds it. And it just made me hate her for it. Yeah. But she's so despicable for that. It, it's one of those things with her books, you know, no one, no one is name dropped uh, without a reason. Right. So like if there's someone in there like Lady Carice that that is kind of annoying, like like there's a reason that she's there and there's a reason we're talking about her a lot. <laughs> and in these and, you know, this middle part of the book, we really figure out, oh, she's she is annoying, but there's a reason she's annoying and it's all a front. Yeah, go for it, Patrick. And that was just how you were saying there's always a reason for somebody to be in there. Claudia, great. She does a great job of not wasting characters like mm-hmm. we don't have those you know, like those meaningless filler characters that some other novelists or some other authors can give us that they're just there to push a chapter to a long No, Everyone's in here for a proper reason and it makes the story flow perfectly. Yeah. And every item, I mean, you know, this music box has more than just Bale's message and I don't want to get into spoilers or anything, but you know, Claudia Gray is a fantastic storyteller in such a way that she wrote Bloodline before she wrote Leia, Princess of Alderaan. 
and there's some payoff from this book in Leia, Princess of Alderaan, which, you know, she wrote after the fact. And it's like, oh, my God, the fact that she had, you know, little bitty details thought out, you know, so far in advance and was able to connect those things. Um, it's really rewarding to piece all of that together. How, how about Bale's message? Can we talk about that for a second? The fact that he would he'd put it in this box. I don't know. Do, do you think you would do it any differently? And how did how did that hit you? knowing that this was how Leia was supposed to to find out. Adam, you want to answer that? Yeah, I think hindsight is twenty twenty. I think naturally as a father, you would like to have that conversation one-on-one. Uh, but as we know, his life was cut short. So he clearly had a backup as a politician tends to do. But you're right. I think in in the perfect world that he would have been able to sit Leia down and in the palace and just have this discussion one-on-one. And I, and Patrick, I, think, and I do think oh. he had plenty of plenty of time to do so before the planet went up. She clearly was involved in the rebellion. She's clearly taking on a burden that is above her age at the time. So she probably could have taken this. And then yeah, can you, can you just imagine like the first 20 minutes of A New Hope with her knowing who Vader was? Completely different. Yeah, it's, a, it's absolutely wild that, that, yeah, thinking about that, that she didn't find out until Luke told her. Like, that's absolutely bonkers to me. It took her that long. Patrick, do you have any thoughts? I always wondered also, oh, this may not add up completely, but I ever wondered if he ever told her that Anakin was her father, but never told him what happened to Anakin, just told him that he was killed. That was my only thing. I was like, I wonder if he ever told her just like like the good side of the story. While she was just, you know, you know, parents do with like younger kids. They don't, they don't tell you the hard stuff when you're younger, because you know, you're supposed to be enjoying your life and not be mentally scarred. Because I was very right. like nine. Because I was very much getting the the view that she knew her who exactly who her mother was most of the time. Right. So, so you're right, Pat. Maybe she knew Anakin, but not the Vader link. Yeah. Because didn't most of the galaxy not know the Vader link at all? Like they mm. always thought he was just killed. Yeah. Yeah, in the war. Yeah, that yeah, he just fell with the other Jedi. It's it's good stuff. Chapter twenty, we get you know real briefly. Joff and Greer go undercover um, at the space station to try to find a job. You remember that we learned on oh her home planet that I'm losing off the top of my head right now. Pamarth. Uh, yes, Pamarth. They find that uh, they might you know the uh, Maxine Warriors are hiring pilots to go to. Sabinsko. And so they try to pick up a job there. They do. Chapter 21, you know, we get Ransom kind of hanging out with her team at the Sun Sail races um, on Hosnian Prime. And there was a really funny scene where Greer brings Port in a storm for Joff and Ransom to drink. And it's like fireworks inside of your body and you lose hearing <laughs> from drinking it. I thought that was absolutely phenomenal. And no, Patrick, I do not want to try it still. <laughs> I just want to know off that. What's the strongest thing y'all have ever drinking, ever drank? Yeah, so I I actually do not drink, but I will still answer this question because I was dared in middle school to drink a 15-year-old can of diet cherry root beer. And that was it, it was the absolute worst thing I've ever had in my life. And I felt like fireworks were going off in me and I was dying. So that's my answer. <laughs> Adam? What you got from the land down there? I've had a plenty, pl- uh, plenty of tough, tough drinks, but one I can't have anymore is my. You know how everyone just has a drink that they perhaps can't take anymore after maybe one big night when you're younger. Yeah, tequila. If I see it, I just, 
<laughs> just walk away because <laughs> I'm not a drinker anymore. So all my horror stories of from when I was younger and a particularly big night on tequila was one that just put me down. <laughs> what about you, Pat? So those of y'all, I had the unfortunate experience of having a swig of Mississippi moonshine, Oof. and I thought somebody poured gas and threw a match down my chest cavity. Like that whole, mm. you know, that episode three part where um, Kenobi shoots Grievous in the chest. You see the fire coming out of his eyes. That's what I felt like. <laughs> like never again. Well, like I, I thought it was coming back up immediately. And, like I was all watery in the eye. I'm, like slouched over like, Jesus, I'm going to die. <laughs> this is it. Uh, so young. Yeah. I remember, I remember in college, you know, walking through some rooms and, and just being like, like the smell of this is about to put me under. Like, I don't, I don't know how anybody could drink this, but yeah, Port and Storm, definitely not going near it. That's for sure. Especially after this description, (laughs) Uh, even if it is the Disney knockoff, I don't trust it. I don't, I, you, you never know. I don't never, never trust a mouse who gives you a drink. I don't, I don't know what Mickey's done to it. No, 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 no. Haven't you seen the rest of Florida? No, no, no. You don't trust what they drink down there. <laughs> no. One of the things that, you know, this group is kind of talking about is that clearly the Amaxine warriors have a spy in the Senate. Um, you know, someone's got to be pulling all these strings. And then immediately what happens next is Lady Carice shows up on Hosnian Prime, you know, pretty late at night. Um, she's going to store the box in her office, you know, and she runs into Ransom, has a brief little conversation. And then, Lady Carice gets on the phone and she's talking to Arlie's Hadrassian. And we know 100% Lady Carice is the one that's been involved in all this to begin with. She's putting on this front. She's um, kind of this prima donna, but really she's building an army um, in secret, which is absolutely nuts. She completely spells out the First Order name. And that absolutely took me by surprise. The very first time I read it, I was like, what? This is where we're going with this? <laughs> and I thought that was a solid reveal because I, I had no idea that was where that was going to go. She's been seeking out loyalists to the Empire this entire time. Her and, and Arlie's, you know, and we knew from, from Arlie's in the previous chapters of how much she talked about idolizing the Empire. But to know that there are still people working in the Senate, which makes sense, I think, on a on a realistic level, that there are still people that I mean, just like today, there's still people that may cling cling to the ideas of the past um, and want to hold on to those. So it would make sense that some of those people may still be in some kind of form of power. But to see it like this was just mind boggling to me. In chapter 22, we get Joff working um, on his X-Wing and, you know, all these other pilots are around and they want to kind of know what's going on. And he's like, I-, I should probably hold on to these names because, you know, they may come in handy soon. And that obviously, I think, is the one of the first big building blocks into the resistance, um, which was neat. Um, and then we have Lady Carice, you know, giving Ransom the box. She knows 100 percent what's going to happen here. She doesn't trust Ransom because he's a centrist and he's working with Leia. So what does she do? She takes the music box and gives it to him. And to see his reaction and to see what he does with it, I felt for the guy. Adam, do you feel similarly here? Like, you know, we have this love-hate relationship with Ransom, but my heart kind of broke for him because, yeah, that's a hard truth to learn, not from the person themselves. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we look at our politicians of today and if just some were had the ability to do what he has done to reach out and cooperate with the enemy, in quote, just the party on the other side of the table, 
And then to have it all kind of just blow up in his face like that, I think it was pretty heartbreaking. Because not only like from two fronts, so from his political front and the, that he actually was brave enough to step over that barrier and then to find out that the person that he, that he has been working with and, he's, and a good friend, her father, you know, murdered his own parents and murdered a lot of his own people. Like, yeah, it would have been just, I could imagine just him sitting there staring at it for hours. Yeah, and he didn't end up sleeping very well. And it doesn't seem like he was able to really think super clearly. I mean, he comes around after the fact, which is, you know, unfortunate. But, you know, one of the things Brea says is how much better would our world be if people thought about, you know, what they're going to say or do for a couple of days rather than always reacting in the heat of emotion. And, you know, that's something that, you know, I've, I've tried to learn and, and get a handle on myself is like if, you know, if I get a phone call or I get an email that I, I don't, you know, take to, I'm like, you know, it's it's not important enough for me to, to answer it feeling this particular way. Like if I if if our relationship is fragile enough that the person on the other end, you know, can't can't calm down and wait two seconds, then I probably shouldn't answer the phone anyways. But I thought. Yeah, I wish that that he had had chosen something differently, but he doesn't. He goes and in front of the entire Senate, he opens up the music box and plays it to the world. And obviously chaos ensues here. It it was really interesting that there there was a, a brief section in here where it says, I think Leia is the one that says it, that there was no DNA sample of Anakin or Vader so that he couldn't be cloned. I thought that was such a weird kind of throwaway. I don't know. Did y'all catch anything from that? Or am I the only one that was just freaking out from there? Makes complete sense. <laughs> or Adam, yeah. It's not like, like the emperor held his one thing. And I was like, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. 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 Definitely made sense. If I was, if I was Sidious, I'm not going to want another Anakin running around. <laughs> but also, could you imagine having an army of Darth Vader's? <laughs> Patrick? I don't think, from rem- reading other Legends material, I don't think the Force comes with cloning. So I think it would have been, like, uh, pointless to clone him. You just had another sword. Maybe? Or it's, it's it's haywire at best, right? Like, yeah. We are, like we, it yeah. Are, we are an heir to, the, heir to the Empire territory now. But, like, yeah, it's, it's spotty at best. Ooh. In The Rise of Skywalker, you know, Palpatine, it took years, 20 plus years to get it right. So, yeah, <laughs> even just to give him a true. little bit of like some of the force, but yet his physical manifestation was falling apart. <clears throat> yeah. Well, and so the yeah. Anakin and, army and would this- have taken a good 50 years to get perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, a lot of a lot of hate channeling to become perfect, I guess. <laughs> but, but yeah, this this whole section was crazy because Ransom immediately realizes, you know, when he looks at Leia that like she wasn't proud, like she wasn't like, oh, my secret's been found out. She was like, what what am I gonna do? And he's sick about it, like he's absolutely torn up about it. And then her team starts to doubt her. You know, Corey. Uh, quits and she's like i've got to start talking to my family like they need to know all of these things um you have varish reading the constitutional passage that no person should have to answer for the crimes of their parents like appreciate that and then like it's just it's a whole mess of stuff and then you know han you know has some conversations with leia and that was something that that I, i did appreciate here in the the end of this book is the little touches that they have 
you know, Leia remembers times on, you know, Cloud City and remembers times, you know, when she's talking to Luke and she learns the secret and um, she's talking to Han and, and he just holds her and like, I, I appreciated all these little touches here. Chapter 24, Joff feels really uneasy about the whole thing. Could Vader ever really have loved? You know, maybe he assaulted her. He's thinking up all of these other things to make it some kind of, of plausible. And Greer's like, I trust Han, so she trusts Leia, which I feel like is super backwards, right? Like, Han is the one that should not be trusted, typically. <laughs> but she's like, no, I, this dude's a legend. I'm going to trust him. You know, I've worked for him for a long time, so of course I'm going to trust Leia. You know, she's on meds. She goes to get the Hedera serum and all this. We, we do learn about Greer here. Patrick, did you find anything interesting about about Greer's condition? I mean, we learn that she has blood burn um, a couple chapters later, but... You know, this whole being on steroids, basically, to make it all go away. You know, what do you think about this? It's an interesting little little wrench in there, because I like how she had to take, like, a finite amount, and, like, the treatments were very sensitive, or they can, she can, like, overdose on it. I was like, ooh, mm-hmm. she's, on some, she's on some heavy stuff. If you're talking about, like, overdose on this medication, maybe thought of, like, the... Um, almost like the opioid pain pills that they give you at the hospital, how they got to give you very little increments or you can, you know, right. sadly, as many people today have, they'll get like an addiction to it or they can overdose if they're not careful. So that was that one kind of hits a little closer to home if you think about it. Yeah. Adam, we, we finally learned about what happens to Greer and 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 all of that. I mean, as a as a kind of a B character, I guess, you know, where did where do you put her in this in this story? And, you know, do you think she was a worthwhile addition to it, I guess? Yeah, definitely. I don't like you said a little bit ago that Claudia Gray doesn't insert characters in for no reason. Um, and I saw Greer as kind of a pillar for Leia after her father was caught out in the Senate where, you know, Core left, most of her party has left her, but Greer was there. Um, and even though, you know, she was there really for Han first and then later for Leia, but she was still there. And I think that <clears throat> for the story, yeah. it was especially important that Leia could lean on her and kind of do what needed to be done still. And, you know, and when you put it that way that, you know, she was kind of a pillar for, for Leia. I, I also think, and I don't know that it's explicitly spelled out in the book, but it's gotta be nice for Leia to have someone that was so close to Han be nearby too, right? A, a constant reminder for her of, um, of her husband would, would be really cool. In chapter 25, you know, we get, everything that does happen, you know, where we learn about Bloodburn, that it, it happens when you start basically being out in space at a very young age and it um, eventually leads to fevers that fry your brain, which is definitely not something that I would look forward to at all. And it's crazy that, you know, physical stress makes it worse. I'm very glad to have gotten an answer for that and am glad to see how Greer was able to still look in the face of adversity and be like, I'm still going to live my life. Like, I don't want to sit in an office and do nothing and, you know, live this long life in in misery, especially because everything's falling apart around me. So if I'm going to go, I'd rather choose how I'm going to go. Um, and I'd want to go fighting and I would want to go piloting. And that that was a really cool thing to see from her. And so they proceed with the mission to Sibensko. Patrick, this whole mission is absolutely wild. I was like, we really got like four or five different books in this book. Um, there are so many different scenes and so many different you know types of stories. But this whole mission to Sibensko just was nuts. What did you think about it from top to bottom? 
I found it hilarious at parts because Leia had that um she had that those Han ways about her that she picks up, especially when she gets lost in the elevator and she discovers <laughs> the Maxine War. She's like, Oh, I'm sorry. Um I I got dizzy with the alarms. I need some water. Yeah, I totally saw Han running down the Death Star hallways chasing stormtroopers to only run into hundreds more, right? <laughs> We say nothing speaks more episode four to that. Yes. But no, it it really was a great climactic. Yeah, a, a climactic head to the like whole inevitable confrontation of these two and the willingness and the faith that Greer and Joff had in her to mm-hmm. like, you know, we got to finish the mission. But we we have some sort of faith that she's going to figure her way out of this. You have to have some real confidence in someone's abilities to think they're going to succeed in those odds, which it's Princess Leia Organa. So truth be fair, her abilities do match up. Yeah. Adam, uh, you know, one of the things when when Leia had her her dinner with Rin Riven die, right, she gives him back the Jabba tape. We learn in this chapter that there's a tracker in it. And so they can know where he is at all times, pretty much. And Joff was like, oh, yeah, he's here. So they show up and then obvious. I mean, there's going to be a confrontation. And the confrontation that we got was pretty epic in my mind. Um, what did you think about Leia and Rin Riven uh, meeting again and his ultimate demise? It seemed very fitting that, you know, the pillars of the foundation of the building just fall on him. It was just too much. And the uh, and the idea that you know, Leia got the one in a 1,000 shot through the Force was just... It was nice to see those little touches throughout the story where... She didn't lean on it too heavily, and when, but when she did, it was for really important events. And this is just one of those examples. It, it's a, a beautiful picture, too, that Rin Riven was definitely in over his head. Yeah. Um, I mean, outside of the fact that he is completely drowning in the fact that this operation is way too big for him, but he's definitely drowning. There's not a more fitting end than for the entire organization to come crashing around him and go up in flames. I thought that was beautiful poetry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was crazy. Leia runs into the Maxine Warriors, like we talked about Patrick and, you know, she finds herself on this landing platform, absolutely freaking out. I would love to get Cybensko actually on a battlefront too. I know it's never going to happen, but I think that would be a really epic, like, I don't know, underwater to overwater. I don't, I love it. Um, anyways, uh, and was, then Han shows up. Yeah, go was, for it. Was Habitsko um, that final planet you end up on in Fallen Order? Uh, I don't think so. No, 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 no. That is the, um, uh, for spoilers, that's the moon uh, that orbits Mustafar, right? Where the, uh, are we talking about the same thing? Fallen Order? Where, yeah. Um, where, the, uh, where, where the Inquisitors are? Yeah, and she invader just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, Mustafar. Yeah, yeah. That is. Oh, yeah, moon, yeah, yeah. I, I think, think so. Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's a moon around. Us. Someone will tell us. Which is. <laughs> yes. Which, I haven't played it oh in a minute, God. so it's like. Oh, yeah, no, I've only. Yeah, I haven't done when, the second playthrough. <clears throat> I yeah. will say though. I will say though, playing that game definitely helped me to visualize Ren Riven's death much easier because that was horrifying. You know, seeing the this underwater tunnel collapse and open up, and you all of a sudden, I mean, it's wild. Sorry, I can't think of words because they're so epic, and I'm seeing it playing back in my head, and I'm like, I gotta go play the game right now. Well, usually, like usually, we see villains that uh, in Star Wars that are just just real pretty pretty bad that they do bad things in the open in the public but yeah. we never really saw that with wind riven like we knew that he was the head of an organization that was doing some real shady things in the background but we, we didn't get to see him do anything particularly horrible 
Um, so his death right. was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, 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 wild. And like she, it's like she didn't mean it either. Mm. I mean, she meant it, but like she hated that it had to go down like that. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, yeah. And um, I can't remember the um, the original Legends book, but it reminds me of, like Prince Shizor, kind of that um that smooth talking gentlemanly <laughs> figure of, who's the head of a cartel who again has those uh gentlemanly encounters with princess Leia mm. and always trying to smooth her over. And didn't he find, didn't he die in a similar way? Not didn't being die. like drowned, but I don't know. That's the, his whole character made me think of that pretty much. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. In chapter 28, you know, we kind of after Han rescues her in epic fashion, they get to just kind of have a, a conversation with you know husband and wife. And she's like, you know, the galaxy at large is never going to forget who I am and where I came from. And he's like, forget the galaxy. Who cares about that? Like, you've got us. And, you know, even if her loyal friends you know, still support her, you know, that's still a weight that she's going to have to carry with her that people will never look at her the same. And I have to wonder, you know, now knowing everything that we know about the sequel trilogy, you know, up until the rise of Skywalker, I have to wonder if obviously the New Republic and the Resistance, you know, kind of separated from each other. This helps to explain why, uh, why the Resistance was at, at distance because of all of this drama happening with everyone finding out that Vader was her dad. But. You know, do you think that that continued and, and to why people didn't show up until the absolute last possible second uh, because of the knowledge that the resistance was being led by Vader's daughter? Does that make sense, Adam? Oh, I think it can definitely um, be a reason why people wouldn't have showed up. And I'm guessing people just probably saw her group as a bit of a splinter offshoot group, you know, just reveling in the past achievements of the rebellion as well so but i think that the galaxy knowing exactly who she was or not who she was but uh, who her father was probably would have played a part in that yeah i i do think you just said something that made me think that it does seem like both parties have a problem with living in the past mm. and you know not not to ben's point of let the past die because that's not exactly it but you know the populists are you know, they, they want to move on from the war, but they want to prevent it from ever happening again. But Leia can't seem to still get out of that. And the centrists also, or at least some of them, are still lingering so badly for the Empire to come back. Yeah, that, but they both criticize each other for wanting to go back to the past. Yeah, I looked and at, I, I think that's interesting. Yeah, I looked at characters like Ransom and Greer as kind of like the kind of the future of their two sides. Um, that if we had the ability to watch the timeline grow and see Ransom get into a senior position and perhaps Greer goes into politics on the popular side and we Leia starts to retire and we start losing all these, hey, look how nice the Emperor is, centrists, that, you know, the, the Senate would have been a completely different ball game at that point, I think. If they had the ability to also block their own internal party um, beliefs and peer pressures and et cetera. Yeah, but I think we saw the kind of the future of what it could have been. Yeah, Patrick, I did always have one question about maybe a continuate uh, continuation issue, but I will always this book made me wonder why did the First Order have to destroy Hosnian Prime if they were also being funded by people in the Republic? 
I feel like that to me would have just been symbolic, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's the same thing. I think uh, the special editions of Return of the Jedi, right, and pulling down the Emperor statue on Coruscant, while they didn't blow up the entire planet, I'm sure it's just like officially the New Republic's done. And I would imagine, I would imagine some of those senators probably got a heads up, like, "Hey, we about to blow blow some stuff up. You might want to might want to hop in your yacht and leave." <laughs> Y'all got thirty seconds, mm. but yeah, I'm I'm sure that was a at least in my head. I always viewed that as a purely sim- now reading this as a purely symbolic gesture of yeah. we have obliterated the government because the government sucks. And I think like the first order too. I think there was probably a little bit of we're just using these senators to be to get what we need as well. Um, they probably see them still a little bit corrupted by being in the Senate in the first place. They're like, no, nah, they can go too. We got what we wanted out of them. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and that's, you know, the emperor we talked, you know, several chapters ago, you know, he kept the Senate running for 20 years, you know, in the the Republic. He didn't need it. They weren't doing anything. You know, they were still in gridlock, but, you know, he had full power to do whatever he wanted to. And so for the first order who doesn't have that kind of authority or power or leverage or whatever, you know, they're just probably like, let's just blow the whole thing up because we don't need it anymore. And I guess now we know um, that, you know, Snoke being in charge in the Unknown right. Regions of the First Order, really Palpatine in charge from Exegol, like he's probably learned some lessons from the past where, you know, imagine yeah. what he could have got done in 20 years if he just got rid of the Senate straight away. <laughs> yeah, just blown it all up. <laughs> um, um, yeah. I, I did think there was an interesting conversation, you know, in Chapter 29, you know, we get Tylin, you know, pulls Leia aside, it's revealed that he's going to be the populist candidate for first senator. But the only reason that he wants it is to just sit in power and do nothing with it, you know, because he doesn't believe in the one person being in power. Patrick, wanted to get your thoughts here. Does that make sense to you? Political sense, yes, because it's almost like a filibuster move. Like he's sitting in there blocking whatever machinations or whatever he fuses machinations from the centrist. But at the same time, it's also an extreme waste on his point, because even if you don't believe in someone having that power, I assume they have made this position with checks and balances, because, you know, Republican all, that there would be still some limitations to his power and that he could be overruled. But at that same time, he could be someone that could push through mm. what he sees as good on for the galaxy and especially through his own ideals. Yeah, his conversation with Leia made it seem like he just didn't even want to try to do good. And that was yeah. part of her frustration. And that's also like another... In a way, it sounds like a form of like a corruption of someone who's just in power to be in power, but not in power to do anything. They just like the mm-hmm. life, you know? He's just up there collecting, you know, the $150,000 uh, senatorial um, salary for life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Adam? I was like, part of me was thinking that... Um... If Adrassian didn't go full extreme, that you know the centrist might have been happy with Tylen being there if he was willing to do nothing, which means he doesn't suffer, he's fine, but the people will suffer, which means when the first order starts encroaching on known space, they're just gonna perhaps see them not as a huge threat, but you know a group that may get something done for them as well. That if he's in power doing absolutely nothing, which is his plan, he said it. The people of the yeah. galaxy will suffer, especially the Outer Rim, which we know is fallible to extreme right f- fraction groups that, you know, they could just come in, clean up and go, look, look at us. We're doing something. He's not. Patrick, throughout this whole book, I'm still shocked at 
the idea that the Republic is still against a standing military. And even Leia was. Because if she had knew, I'm pretty sure Luke knew the truth about what happened with Order 66 and all that. And he would have told her, wouldn't having a standing army of just human, of, well, not just human recruits, but, you know, citizen recruits, that would have been a way to keep them from going strictly Imperial into um, how that transition happened. I also, I feel like this is a lot of symbolism of they never learned from their mistakes in the past. They never learned from the old Republic. Yeah. Yeah. There are definitely a lot of, a lot of missed, missed steps and teachable moments that were not paid attention to. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's what the sequel trilogy kind of gave us. It kind of gave us the mistakes of, you know, the government and, and, and a little bit, the mistakes of the new Jedi order where at the end it's Ray and it's Ray in a completely like clean slate where no government, no real Jedi order anymore. She gets to kind of dictate what's going to happen in the future. So she's seen the mistakes now happen twice. So I thought that was very, that's what I kind of got at the end of Tross as well, where, you know, all that is gone now and it's just her and she gets to kind of hopefully push the, the galaxy into a better direction and not make the mistakes a third time. Yeah. You know, it, it makes me think of a funny, uh, there's a comedian, you know, who was talking back. It was probably a decade or more ago and was talking about American presidential elections and how it seems like we bounce every four to eight years from party to party. And he's like, can we just take a minute to just, you know, not have a president? Can we can we just like, like figure out who we are? Like like we're between, you know, boyfriends, girlfriends, like, like let's just take a minute to figure out who we are ourselves and then, you know, really grow and learn. And there, some of that needs to be happening here, you know. Like, like instead of reacting, you know, in the moment, instead of reacting on passion or just doing something different because it's different of trying to intentionally take some time to be like, what actually worked? What actually didn't work? And I know that in, you know, it's very idealistic and that, of course, would never happen. But, yeah, it's a shame that it can't. And it's, uh, you know, it'd be very interesting to see what happens post Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, to see what Ray and Finn, you know, could do with it. If see if if the people have learned their lesson, if they could make any changes there. That would be that'd be really interesting to see. Leia ends up addressing the Senate, you know, the night before she's in this full black dress with a black cape and very tongue in cheek, like, yeah, I'm Vader's daughter. Look at me. Ha ha ha. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. Definitely saw um some of that Leia wit on full display and I'm here for it. Um, and then the very next day, you know, she's in the complete opposite. She's in this beautiful white dress that reminds her of the dress she wore at the medal ceremony on Yavin, which I thought was really neat. Um, and Ransom decides to take a stand and he sides with Leia, which basically, you know, like we said in the opening, it tanks his political career. And Lady Carice made sure that that would happen. Then we get to the close of the book, really. I mean, chapter 30, you know, Joff and Greer have all these thermal detonators they took from Sibensko and they don't really know what to do with them. And Greer's like, well, Leia will know what to do when it's time. And I was like, aha, this is this is the start of this. Um, you know, Ransom goes to Leia's office to kind of make amends, but, you know, he's not expecting any any big gesture from her or anything like that. And there was a very harsh conversation. You know, Leia lit into him like I trusted you and you completely betrayed me. And she pushed him to be better. Um, you know, Adam, you talked that Ransom and Greer, you know, this could have been the show for what what a better generation would look like you know we just got done talking about what that could look like and this is leia urging him to be better unfortunately it doesn't end up going that way for him thailand has his first campaign event Corey ends up apologizing to leia and then they go 
to see Tywin and Arlisa Drassian shows up and shoots him. Did you see her showing back up at the end of this? Um, Adam, did you see Arlise showing up? Did you see Tywin going out like this? I I didn't see him going out, but I thought we'd see Arlise perhaps in like a little, like an epilogue kind of communication with the unknown regions. Like I've done this, we've failed here, etc. But I guess then I kind of re-looked at it and that's kind of Lady Carice's role. Like, Alice is mm. clearly the extremist getting used by the First Order's supporting Senate group. Um, so what she did here kind of fits within her MO, I think, unfortunately. Yeah, she she's she, very much... And, I, and she was I very honour-bound honor to her Maxine warriors, so I'm guessing, you know, thousands of tonnes of water falling on her army kind of got to her a little bit. So, yeah, very much an Alice thing to do. You know, not that she's the opposite of, but she is just on the other side of the line of Saul Guerrero, mm. I think, and the way and his partisans and the way that he kind of feels about, um, you know, the Republic, not necessarily the Republic as a whole, but, you know, about the good side, about what's right. And I, I found her to be kind of the, the flip of that. It's like an, in, in, like an imperial soul kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Sorry, I just randomly hit, and I don't think it'll ever leave me. Um, <laughs> I don't think it'll ever leave anyone now. <laughs> no. But that's, yeah, just the the manner that she does that. You know, she takes it very personally, and this is what you've done to me. This is, you know, this was my plan, and she fails to see the bigger play, right? She fails to see the, the patience. And that's and like the, the why I thought, you know, she also rolled a blaster on herself. where she So it wasn't really about the like you said about the the game plan it was about losing her people i think and yeah she got her on a bound revenge and then there was nothing else for her right and then we close it the senate ends up blaming arlise for everything because she showed up and of course because of course they do they need a scapegoat and she ended up being it Casterfo ends up being named the inside man and obviously Lady Carice set all that up um, and he was being taken back to Ryosa for punishment. Um, Leia goes to see him off because she realizes, oh, my God, like this dude's about to die. And I actually really enjoyed him like he was actually a friend. He actually did just what he thought was best in the moment. And I can't really fault him for that. And I can't see him go down like this. I don't know. That whole scene to me was just absolutely heartbreaking and to me redeemed Ransom completely. Um, I don't think it was until this point that I was truly like, oh, yeah, Ransom's a good guy. And Leia sees it. I should see this, too. Uh, Patrick, how did you feel about this? It was one of those things where, yes, you look back like, ooh, Ransom should still be alive if he thought about this a little more in hindsight. But at the same time, you have to look at like how he grew up with, you know, how he viewed Vader and how he saw Vader and how that emotionally carried him to do what he did to it leading to his discovery, to forcing him away from Leia, to being set up. It, it, it was a case of like not being completely over trauma in a lot of ways, like not neither one of them fully healed from the past. And um, that goes honestly like what you said earlier. This book is a lot of not getting over the past. And Ransom's death is, has a lot to do with him not getting over that. Adam, you got anything you want to throw in here? Yeah, because um, I'm someone that listens to the roundtables on The Living Force without even reading the book. Because, you know, some people just like <laughs> to watch the world burn. And then, so, you know, I don't want to go into too heavy spoilers, so I kind of know what happens in that story and 
all the people that turn up. But yeah. like, I completely agree with Pat. But like, if you we didn't have all this, like, you know, it's hard to like say. You know, it's hard to get out of the past, especially like he as a child he saw he saw horror. You can just imagine what it's like seeing your parents cut down by this robotic seven foot monster with a red laser sword. Um, what it does to you. So yeah, it was really it was a really like tough ending for Ransom. And like he just he kinda knew it. He was just ugh. Um but part of it he just looked tired too. Like he just sorry, read like he was tired. He was kinda just even just half in a bad way content with what was about to happen. Yeah. Like he just felt so much guilt about what he had done with Leia and that he's just kinda just letting it just roll it with the punches. And the self-defeat of knowing that you helped to reinstitute the death penalty on your home planet mm. and that, like, just the, you know, we're, we're responsible for our own choices, you know, like, like you make the choices you make and you've got to, you have to deal with the consequences of them and sometimes they're surprising, right? And so I wonder if how much of that was just the resignation of, like, I really did do this to myself mm. <laughs> and that, <clears throat> that would be, that's tough. I, could, I couldn't imagine living like that, Patrick. And that honestly goes back to the ending of Revenge of the Sith when they had the little um, final monologue when mm-hmm. he talks about Anakin has no one else but himself. Yeah, it's all about choices. <laughs> yeah. We do end the book, though, with uh, just a little bit of... I mean, we get a lot of hope, but I think the icing on the cake for me was Leia turning up and just absolutely giving it to Carice, right? <laughs> like, I know it was you because you were the governor of Beeren, and this is the only place that you could have gotten the music box. And I know it was you. And so, because so little else matters to you, I'm going to take away everything. I called Beeren, mm. and you're not the governor anymore. <laughs> and then, like, and then the way that she reacted, the way that Kurt, that carice acted whenever she's like she didn't even call me lady anymore (laughs) um i was like yeah suck it because you feel nothing like i hope that you feel petty and stupid and dumb and i i don't know and like you said i think it was like Um, a lot of like just vain she was very vain where she's clearly involved with building up the first order and she gets that music box and instead of taking out the first order's probably second greatest enemy behind luke a jedi she's like oh no i'll hold on to it because i want to keep being the governor of this planet i'm never going to come back to like it's just like her priorities even were all over the place i thought like if you're with the first order yeah do your first order thing but like instead of looking at the big picture she was like oh look at me i'm a i'm royalty so it was really i thought that was a nice she knew exactly where to hurt her i think yeah, there were there were some points in this book where I was like, she is a competent woman. Like, like mm. she is so, like she knows what she's doing here. Like she is building up the first order. And then I guess we all have our blind spots, though. I guess, <laughs> and hers was pretty petty to me. Mm. Um, absolutely wild, Patrick. The way that we ended this, I'm sure that you appreciated, you know, this little conversation between Leia and Carice, knowing your disdain for her this whole time. <laughs> How'd you feel? I was my audiobook in my car, and I had a chuckle. <laughs> yes. I can't stand her. <laughs> I did the audiobook well, as well, Pat, and I thought um, uh, January Lavoie's 
voicing of Carice too also added to the annoyance of her as a character. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, which can, I mean, can we can we give her a shout out? Like, this, it was a phenomenal audiobook. Definitely. I mean, I, I both read and listened to it, but. Like the way she was able to do those voices. I mean, again, it speaks to the quality of, of Star Wars audio, but she was absolutely incredible. I thought she fired on all cylinders. And a, I want to um, listen to so much she more. She had a her. great Han, too. She, she <laughs> really did. She yeah. really did. Am Patrick, I the only one thinking that her Han sounded like a guy talking to his wife while football's on? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's totally Han's character, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, all right. He's watching yeah, honey, races. Yes. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, I'm trying to watch the pod races here. Come on now. He's got like a whole and, can of beer just right. Him and Chewie just sitting on the couch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's you know I, again I think that goes to Claudia Gray's ability to you know to to write these characters so well and so authentically. And, you know, one of the things that, that we try to talk about is, you know, do the new characters match with the old characters and, you know, do the old characters that we know and love from the films, do they come across true in, in the book? And 100 percent they did. And uh, Lavoy definitely did a fantastic job of articulating that in a very real yeah. sense. Yeah, some um, of my favorite moments were just the Lan, the, sorry, the Lan, wow, uh, the Han Lan. and Leia, <laughs> the Han and Leia moments. <laughs> like, you know, she she's called out in front of the Senate and she sends all these messages to Han and you don't really get a reply from Han he just he's like he just puts everything down he's like no I'm just gonna get to her I can't talk to her right now so I'm just stopping my involvement here in the racing scene and just goes exactly where she knew he was gonna she was gonna go like I really loved the the intimate moments between the two of them yeah and you know for for them both to recognize and acknowledge in each other their respective wants and desires and passions, I think was really cool to see here. You know, that Han would drop the races to go to her, but then Leia is also comfortable and comfortable enough to be, to say like, I know our relationship, but I, I know that you also really want to be at the races. I could ask you to stay here for a year and you would, but also like, I need you to go. Um, <laughs> And I, I thought I thought those conversations were really cool to see and um, very true to their characters and, and definitely give us, you know, more insight into that conversation from The Force Awakens. You know, when it's like we're, we're the same, we're very different, but we're the same and we acknowledge each other's wants, wishes and desires enough to still make it work. I thought that was very cool and very mature of both of them. Yeah, it kind of just kind of took the public falling of their son to yeah for them to finally for him to run back to chewy and leia to go full yeah. rebellion mode patrick did any of you feel like this was a sense of liberation for leia with this coming out like she has nothing to hide she's free of the senate like i always felt like the ending was a more, bit of like chains are broken because she, she may have not went out the way she wanted to but in the end she wasn't she didn't want to be there anymore and she got out yeah i can definitely see that as well it, it also kind of served its purpose of now she knows exactly who she can trust and who she can't trust and she knows who her friends and, and family are as well like in the hangar like admiral akbar is there where he i can see admiral akbar, like he's mm-hmm. the head of the military basically so he's giving up this cushy office and this probably this huge penthouse that a general or an admiral you know, four or five star lives in and he's willing to like just tent it up with her for 
the foreseeable future. Like it kind of shows who she can rely on as well. I thought that was really cool to see just Akbar standing as one of the five people. He's the head of the New Republic military. He's just like thrown it all away. <laughs> What's up? He was like, no, we fought too many times together. I yeah. can't let it go down like this. <laughs> Uncle Akbar yeah. to the rescue. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely see, you know, like she's grown. I mean, her entire life has been <clears throat> in politics. <clears throat> and I'm sure that for her, there's just a freedom to just let the, the facade go. You know, she's always been a fighter. She's always been a rebel. Um, and I, you know, just to be like, I don't actually need to do the political part of this because this is messy and, and I don't, it, it's silly. It's, it's ineffective. It doesn't do anything. And she's always been a person of action. And so, yeah, I think for her to finally be able to just do that, I could definitely sense that relief there. Yeah. We kind of, um, truly she, yeah, and we kind of saw it throughout the book where she just kept kind of le- thinking back to the past. So I think she's mm-hmm. just, she's in a comfort zone now. I think she has to be fighting sometimes to really be herself. Yeah. She, she doesn't, she doesn't want the war, but that's all she's ever known. So it's her pocket. Yeah. You know, like it's so easy to fall back into. So it's going to find pocket. oppression and stamp it out. That's just her thing. She's yeah. kind of more like her father than her mother. I definitely yeah. think that she embodies more Anakin and Padme together than perhaps kind of Luke does in a way. Like Luke, you can see him both in Luke, but I think it's more pronounced in Leia, especially on the on her father's side. I think Luke takes a bit more Padme calmness. Yeah, yeah, because Anakin would never walked away. Well, he would have never stopped fighting like Luke did. Yeah. Like, he would have walked away from the Order, but he wouldn't have stopped fighting. Mm. Yeah. You Freelance. Know that, that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Freelance bring, hero. Bring, <laughs> bringing Luke up, though, you know, that was talked about here at the end of the book, you know, when they start to be like, you know, you're up here and you're saying all these things, but how can we trust that Luke may not go back to the dark side? How, you know... Um, he's just off gallivanting on his own with his, you know, little R2 droid, right? Looking at Jedi relics and trying to find things. You know, he kind of disappeared and ghosted. I, I thought that was just a cool little, like, yeah, the, the galaxy at large doesn't know what actually happened. We only know Luke's account. And if you only have one particular story, like, I mean, are you just supposed to buy it? When one person kind of tells you what is, you know, the, I, I love that this book just gives us so much gray area and really gives us kind of the wider galaxy's mm. perspective of what could have happened, what did happen, who do we believe, who do we not believe. Yeah, and so. just the fact that nobody really knows, like yeah. we are, we're privileged, we're privileged being a part of this audience to see it and to know the things that we know, but. It's no one else in this galaxy knows what's up. Yeah, but they seem to be happy to kind of lean into the good story. And I think yeah, that's just sure. what the mentality of that galaxy. Like if that was – if someone came out with a story like that in our, on Earth, we'd just be – the world would or just automatically lean to the where's your proof, we want video kind of mentality. But it seems in that galaxy after, you know, 20-plus years of imperial oppression, oppression, they're just happy to kind of lean into the, the good – happy story naturally but even i think even here like we were suffering through the same thing we'd be like all right we want video <laughs> it wasn't posted yeah, I, to his facebook it doesn't yeah. count all right give me your tiktok yeah, login details i want to see the <laughs> want to see it in your file list <laughs> yeah i definitely i definitely wanted to see the. you know it's like it's like your your buddy gets a get, tells you that he got a crazy tattoo and it's like pics or it didn't happen yeah and exactly. like i was waiting for someone waiting yeah. for someone in this minute to just say that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so it's kind of like you can. It's, there is a big difference between a galaxy far, far away and kind of our own messed up world. Yeah, for sure. But we did it, guys. It's over. We finished one of my absolute favorite books of all time um, in any genre, any title, any headlining act. Absolutely phenomenal. I definitely want to start it again because I love it so much. And I think you're right. This is such a, a rereadable book because it is self-contained, but it sets up so much. I like that it's kind of a one-off. Adam, do you do you would you still rank this up towards the top? You know, kind of where does this go in your top five, or is it in your top five? Yeah, it's definitely in within my top five of Star Wars books. I think um, I'd have to think about it to really place it somewhere. But yeah, I, I thought it was wonderful. I stand by five out of five stars for this one. It adds so much to The Force Awakens. I kind of want to watch the film today. Because, you, you know, you can imagine just, you know, you're sitting in The Force Awakens the first time and you know there's a new Republic. And it's like, why is there a resistance when there is a, a new Republic? I don't get what is happening. <laughs> and this book, yep. I think, just is like, there's your question, here's your answer, tick. And it all, make, and it all makes sense. You know, um, the catalyst being layers fall from political grace and all that kind of thing. Like, it's just, just makes sense in the long run. So I think it's definitely worth a read. I think it's one of those books as well that for a newer Star Wars fan who perhaps has only seen the movies, like, I'd argue that this is a, a book that you would give them. Oh, you've seen The Force Awakens? Oh, yeah. Prepare to have your mind blown kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I, I can't, like, it's got to be knocking on the door of the foundational. Like, it's got to just be sitting outside somewhere going, make the foundational six and let me in. would <laughs> be an interesting game. Which which foundational book do you remove to put Bloodline in? Ooh. Ooh. Well, I don't know, but I can, I can picture it being a clubhouse and there's a sign on the front door with, like, a circle and a cross through Bloodline. There's no Bloodlines. <laughs> no homers. <laughs> All right. Now, right now, guys, I'm drawing a blank on the foundational five um i'm pulling it up me. right now don't yeah, i know. so sorry right, so we're taking one out <laughs> each and we're doing this <laughs> yeah i want to i want to play this game let's right. let's see what happens here so we have lost stars we have darth bane revenge of the sith revenge this is clearly the one that's got to lead right uh heir to the oh, empire in what in kenobi as the foundational five yeah so i will i will say I'm not going first. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'll be bold. So I have not read Kenobi yet. That's why it is on the list to read in November, because I want to read it. I bought it so that I could read it, and I haven't done it yet. Shame on me. Slap in my hand. So I, I'm not going to put it out because I haven't read it, and I don't have any justification for it. I think I would... Mm, Wait, which Bane is it? Is it the, the first, first one? one? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I know this, this is where in my head when I went back uh, several months ago I was like we should have a canon 5 and a legend 5 because <laughs> just um, pick one. I think I know I would I would I think I would almost replace I, I think I would replace heir to the empire as as heretical as that may be and I'm glad Jared isn't listening right now because he would murder me and he invited me to be on legends look back and I don't want to piss him off but nope, I think fired. I would throw it I think Wait, I would throw you to the Empire to the side. We've got Meg, we've got Meg here. She's going to like just dob on us all in Slack. <laughs> no, oh, oh, hey, she you. says oh, she can do it. Go. Yeah. Good. I, I side with the new Senate. Uh, I, I'm Patrick, actually, how about you? Oh, or Adam? I think, to me, it's a tie between, as much as I love this one, Bane and... Oh. Oh, dang it, I lost to Kenobi. Oh, wow. My reasoning why... 
Actually, I'm leaning more to Kenobi. Bane is actually still very important because it sets up why the things happened in the prequels. Kenobi, because we know the beginning and the ending of his story. Mm-hmm. And we already know the important parts of his story. As good as Kenobi is, it may be like as a novel. It's just saw, a middle bridge. Yeah, it's the lulled middle bridge, too. It's We've all seen the high cataclysmic moments of his life. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen everything more or less, I won't say important, but we've seen the important events of his life, and we've seen past that and how he's guided future events. And honestly, everything we know about him or need to know about Kenobi is kind of, is either fussed out in Clone Wars or it's alluded to in the movies. To make a uh, Game of Thrones reference, it is known. <laughs> it is known. You drink and know things? <laughs> uh, I was leaning into Kenobi too for a lot of the same reason, that his story is very fleshed out even in canon. We get a bit of in the comics and the, and the shows and stuff. But I'm going to go with Air of the Empire as well because... Great! <laughs> because I like feel like being a someone that has read a lot of most of the canon... And in terms of Legends, has only read everything up to, like, Darth Plagueis in the timeline, so I haven't really gone past that. I'm kind of happy with my Thrawn trilogy in canon, and I'm extremely happy with Thrawn Ascendancy. So I feel like I've got all the Thrawn that I need. Well, not all of it. I want more. Keep giving me Thrawn, but I feel like like I'm sated enough to say yeah. Air of the Empire can be removed. I got you. Hey, now that Patrick- you, I think back on it... Ed the Empire has those extremely legendary moments. <laughs> as good as it is, it gets, it gets a little bit eye rolling. Which kind of stops me from reading past Plagueis kind of thing. It's like, uh, I'm going to get to that point where perhaps I'm going to come to and go, ooh, or just get me push yeah. my eyes back down. <laughs> yeah. It's worth it because the storyline oh, like, in the old Legends East part is still amazing. Mm. And it's very linear, but it still has a, like, you have a chapter that's like I don't know at the end of the like original Thon trilogy on how he dies. It's it's like he says something extremely corny. It's like yeah. like really? like Canon Thrawn one is like mm-hmm. off the charts. Like it's just yeah. five star. I like alliances. Got Anakin gets five stars. Just automatic treason. Mm-hmm. Like treason was hampered by rebels a little bit, but like they're still re- they're still really good. And then Thrawn ascendancy is just ugh, amazing. Um, so it's, I think yeah so for good. me for me. I can I can confidently like take air out and put something like bloodline in. Just to bridge just to bridge the gap between two of those. (laughs) Which because I feel like I can replace air and Kenobi. Yeah. What would you? What would be your second addition? If on the spot, if it was was still counted as in the canon timeline, Plagueis. Mm, Okay. Because Plagueis makes you understand everything in the prequels. Yeah, that's fair. And all of this. All of this is to say that these are all still phenomenal books <laughs> and that they all deserve a spot. It's just. And that we're not, and we're not, and this is not a coup. They won't be at kanjiclub.com yeah, very soon. Like, we're all right. still <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. This is just, this is a fun, um, a fun exercise in, in and, brain muscles. And if you're um, listening, t- uh, Corey, Tim is the coast. Pat and I are co hosts. We, you know, we don't make any decisions. This is all Tim. <laughs> yeah. He's I'm on the marquee, on, not us. On the fly, I took, I, I will take full responsibility and 
and fall on my sword. Please let these guys continue the show. Everyone, he's got a poster sitting behind him of an AT-AT about to step on a snow speeder. He's evil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next is it was nice working with y'all good looking future well I don't think I'll have a career in Star Wars so, yeah. yeah we got all pissed off Corey as soon as he comes back from a sabbatical it's like oh what do I have to look forward to How- now this this is why I did it Any anything that happens while Corey is out of the office count. I he, he, it doesn't count exactly. this is this is an exercise in um, in you're just seeing how things would go. Exercise in futility. <laughs> Exercise in futility, yes. Eric, flush well, the tape. Flush the tape, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I think that that is a great place to end it. Um, thank you to everyone who is listening in. I know we had some in the chat dropping in and out. Thank you all for that. Thank you for bearing with us on um, a relatively well-timed out episode. I think we did a good job for covering half of a book as in-depth as we did. Um, We'll be back next week to talk through Dark Disciple by Christy Golden. We are going to cover chapters 1 through 10. Um, In the meantime, please keep the conversation going in our Discord community. You can find me, Timothy, on Twitter and Discord. I'm at underscore T Guthrie. Adam is at DarkStarAU. And Patrick is on Discord at Mac11. If you want to help support the show, look up Bloodline on ET.com. Click the link in the Amazon profile, and we'll get a few cents to help keep the lights on. Um, And we'll definitely put links up for Bloodline and October's book, Dark Disciple, in the show notes. If you'd like to help us out more directly, you can find us on Patreon or pick up some sweet new merch at ET.com forward slash merch. Special thank you to Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command Patreon tier and Cheryl Bell, Alec Householder, and Patrick Ortiz on our Jedi High Council tier for their amazing support. Also, do not forget if you're on Patreon to find the poll. I will post it here within the next hour, fingers crossed, hopefully, and vote for what you want to see in November. Thank you, guys. (laughs) May the force be with you.